0: Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Down my- this is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Fuck apart! Bart. Fuck up on ESPN Sports Radio 1080
2: the fan. What's happening, Portland? How's everything? Probably can tell, uh, my voice my voice is a little deeper and probably, Mike Lynch changed today. Yeah, a little little more melodious than the great Mike Lynch. He is out. He actually has cooties, I think. I don't know mm-hmm. what kind of cooties, but he said he couldn't really talk um so that's pretty important for a talk radio show to be able to to talk so told lynch to go ahead and stay home i think i can take care of it i think we can take care of it for the day so hopefully my guy is getting better and hopefully he doesn't give it to his lady because it's one thing for one person to be sick in the house but when two people are sick like that changes everything because now nobody wants to do anything Nobody's going to the store. Nobody's going to get that medicine. Nobody wants to make the food. Nobody wants to order the food. So everybody just kind of wants to lay there. So hopefully he and his lovely wife are are feeling okay.
3: I feel like there's two situations uh, for couples in this in this uh, situation. <laughs> um, one of them being you sequester yourself. You're, you you kind of you you stick yourself in a room. Quarantine, Absolutely. right? And and you watch tv or in lynch's case i imagine he'd be playing some video games because he's a big gamer lynch is watching
2: um uh spring ball that's what he's doing uh, he's watching yeah, there baseball. we go the Absolutely. new york
3: yankees are coming up he's getting really excited about that and then there's the other one where you and your lady just she loves you so much can't be away from you and she just sits down with you on the couch and cuddles and you're hoping that you don't get her sick so well, it's that's like sweet of her right i mean i feel like there's you've never had that
2: Uh, you know what? I'll I'll be real, man. Don't touch me when I'm sick. It's kind (laughs) of, I mean, that's the one time I'm just, I'm kind of looking for space. Like I know a lot of men or women feel like men want to be babied in that situation. And we're such whiners. And my thing is like, I just, I I don't really, I can take care of myself type thing. Like because I want to kind of defy the, you know, the narrative that we're just these big babies when we get sick because dudes, we're different. You know, I don't know why, but our, for some reason, our body just doesn't work the same. And it's hard to say that to, you know, a woman who has, can carry a baby and then push one out and, you know, have all these changes go on with their body and they just kind of have to. So always feel kind of like a little buster just sitting there acting like I'm sick. So I always get up and try to feel like I can move around a
1: little bit.
3: Yeah, I, I, I like to lay on the couch, be as, you know, you know, I try to do as little as possible. But I do like the company. I don't like to just sit there alone.
2: Really? So, yeah. And I'm good. I can just play play the video game or watch sports. You know, some have a couple hot toddies and I'll be all good. Most of the
3: time, look. Marie does go off. Like, I think she, like, literally does, like, I'm going to go to the store or, like, going to the craft store. Or she just starts coming up with errands that normally on the weekend we'd just be hanging out. And then she's like, no, I think I, I got all these things I got to do. Mm-hmm.
2: See ya. And then kind of, like... So it really kind of gives them, like, their own little free day. Like, yes. if, you're, if your lady is sick, uh, honey, I'm going go to go to the golf course. See you later. Feel better. And just kind of slam the door and, and drive off. So, you know, they'll be fine. You know, right. and that's know, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. You guys can go ahead and leave us. Lift you some soup alone. in the crock pot. Yeah, right. So <laughs> this is Sports Sunday. Thank you guys for joining in with us again. Mike Lynch is out sick. Hopefully he's feeling better a little soon. But uh, I think we got a pretty okay show. I, I want to call it Balanced. That's what we'll go ahead and say. Today we have a pretty balanced show. We're going to talk a little, uh, little Blazers. Blazers got a big win last night. Actually, they're six in a row. We'll talk about six? what that means for this team moving forward. Um, Houston Rockets. They continue to just lay it on people. Had a big comeback win against the Boston Celtics last night. We'll talk about the Houston Rockets and really where they stand. What
3: are they thirty three and one with their their big three all yeah,
2: together? Like they're they're almost unbeatable. Um, and maybe we'll talk about if they're going to challenge the Warriors, like would realistically be able to challenge the Warriors. I think they can, but I'm sure there are a lot of people that, can't, that think they can't with good reason. So we're going to talk about that in the next segment. Also, we're going to talk about a little draft combine. More specifically, we're going to talk Lamar Jackson and why people would want him to go to the wide receiver position. Uh, also, the Blazers, now with that 6th straight win, they are currently 3rd in the Western Conference. But are they really the 3rd best team in the West, we'll dive into that. And also get some NFL in there as well. Kirk Cousins, where is he going to land? Also a couple other NFL news and notes. But first, if you didn't see it last night, I think it was the the, the return of the Kings, return of the heavyweights. Last night, Deontay Wilder went against Luis King Kong Ortiz in a 10-round Man, slugfest. That's exactly what it was. Like, I mean, I started really watching the fight probably right around the third round. First couple rounds of any boxing match, it's just, the you know, you're feeling each other out. You got 12 of these things to go, so you're trying to pace yourself. Unless you really don't like each other and you really want to knock someone out. But so, first couple rounds, most boxers, they're feeling each other out. But by the third, they really started swinging at each other. Now, if you know anything about Deontay Wilder, which, because he's a heavyweight, most people won't. You know, the heavyweight division has been... Down. I want to say, what's worse than down? Non-existent? Yeah, there you go. That's better. <laughs> you know, it's really been non-existent since I think Lennox Lewis was the last great heavyweight. I mean, I think people will go ahead and say, um, uh, what are the, 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 the Russian guys? Um, Vladimir Klitschko. You know, I think people would say Klitschko and Lennox Lewis were really the last of the great heavyweights. But last night... You saw two guys that were that have been unbelievable so far in their career. Coming into that fight last night for Deontay Wilder, he was 39-0 and 0 with 39 knockouts. So that means you get in the ring with him, you're going to be knocked out. 39 wins, 39 knockouts. Um, that's Mike Tyson-esque. That's Mike Tyson. No, that's, yeah, that's Mike Tyson. Yeah, you mean, know, when Mike Tyson was was starting and everything, he was just knocking. There was no get to the 7th, 8th, ninth round. He was knocking you out in the first round three to four rounds, you know, and that's really what you've gotten from Deontay Wilder. Now, he's a dude who just swings wildly. I mean, no no pun intended to his last name. He's, he's, he's wilder than everyone else. So, But um, Ortiz coming into this fight, 28-0, 24 knockouts. So, again, one of those things, you get in the ring with him, more than likely you're being knocked out. So it was an awesome fight that Deontay Wilder ended up winning uh, with I think two minutes and like 20 something seconds left in the 10th round. And just now, both of them knocked each other down. You know, only the second time at that point that each of them had been knocked down in their careers. But it was an awesome fight. And my question is does this start legitimizing boxing again? Because now you're looking at not just, it's boxing's been carried by the little guys. By the 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 feather featherweights and the middleweights and you know the, light middle you know yeah. they've been carried by those these smaller guys.
3: Been carried by Pacquiao and Mayweather for the last, you know, ten yeah. years, basically.
2: Yeah, and then you even got other names in there. You know, Triple G has become you mm-hmm. know, a huge name.
3: No, Triple G's really good. Triple too. G's
2: the guy, yeah. you know, right now. And, and then you have other guys like, and I don't think he's any good, but Adrian Bronner was able to make a name for himself, you know, in in the boxing ring before he just started losing every fight that he had. But for a long time, boxing was, you know, the the, the smaller guys kind of carried it on their backs. Heavyweights really kind of built the sport but then just took a major dive after losing guys like Lennox Lewis and Tyson and uh, Holyfield. You know, so there hasn't been that guy. I think they may have found their guy in Deontay Wilder. Now, Wilder's 32, so he's been around for a while. He's had 40 fights at this point, and he's undefeated. But I think I'm not saying it's time to start comparing him to, like, a Floyd Mayweather or anything like that, because I don't think that's the case. And unlike— Mayweather, like, I don't know any of the guys that he's knocked out. Like, uh, yeah, who watches heavyweight boxing? Yeah. Nobody really. But I think with that fight last night, it might have brought some more eyes to the sport. It, the,
3: boxing reminds me of the Portland Trailblazers. It seems every time you take a, a step forward, you'll find a way to take a step or two back. Um, we, we think about that um, the Battle of Brisbane how much controversy surrounded yeah. that how great of a fight that was and then to end it the way they did on that sour sour terrible call or uh, Just, judgment I mean I'm not a boxing genius by any means but when you go out and you see basically the entire world cry out go how did how did that happen um and I you know I'm more of a guy that I I I'm an eyes guy I what my eyes show me is different often than what the stats say and the eyes showed me that you know Pacquiao won that day so every time it seems that you have a big moment in boxing it seems they find a way to take a step back and not grab that momentum and run with it So that's where I I would be worried as a boxing fan. Like, yes, we had a great moment last night. Can they capitalize on this moment? Can they? Because, see, that's where they need to take a a picture from the UFC right now. UFC, they go, oh, that guy's the star right now. Like, they capitalize that moment. They build that person. And, you know, they turn it into an entity. Well,
2: well, the one thing I like that, that boxing does, you know, more than any other sport is they, you know, they call out each other. You know, in, in, in MMA, you know, you, we've seen a lot of times after fights, be it Chromier or whoever the case is, will look over and say, yeah, you're next. I want you, you know, and they're, they're aggressive about it. And last night, Deontay Wilder said, man, whoever wins between Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker on March 31st in, in London, or excuse me, in Wales, that's who I want. No, let's not make any big thing. That, like, that's who's next. That's who I want to beat up next. And so hopefully that kind of set up something moving forward. But I think UFC had a pretty had something happen last night. Yeah, they had
3: the well, cyborg, um, cyborg, cyborg fight, last fight last night, and night. she just destroyed.
2: And so, you know, cyborg runs through Kansu, Kansunayakeya. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> There's a reason that didn't it. make it into my report. <laughs> yeah. So, but cyborg is somebody who just, man or woman, like MMA is about the name, you know, more than anything, which is why Ronda Rousey had such a uh, a, a, a prosperous career in MMA. Like her, her name, once she got big, it was that's who it was. Then it was Holly Holm. And now, right now, it's it's Cyborg who's just running through people in, in MMA. And I'm, is there anybody that's going to catch her? Like, at, at some point, because that's what we said about Ronda Rousey. And, it, it, like, fighting is one of those sports that once you take it on the chin, you're never really the same. Once Tyson got knocked out by, uh, what was it Buster Douglas? He was just never, ever the same. He can beat up, you know, Peter McNeely, but. Well, yeah. isn't there a point
3: where you. Start feeling invincible, especially I, when you think about Ronda Rousey. You think about the UFC, the women's division. Um There's a reason she dominated; like she was so far and beyond the talent of everybody else that was fighting. And then eventually, you start seeing Holly Holm, upstart. You know, all these all these ladies start like she didn't even have ten fights on her. You know, on her resume when she when she fought Ronda Rousey. You know these they're they're all really young in their career and so now you're starting to see that infusion of talent kind of like I mean you want to liken it to something like golf where it was just Tiger Woods for so long and now you see all these guys Rory McIlroy and it's just it there's a lot of guys to compete with now that's kind of the women's division of the UFC it was Ronda Rousey then Ronda Rousey probably saw oh it's not just me anymore Movies in uh, WWF looks a lot better to my pocketbook now.
2: Man, that's what she thinks until she got to do that joint every night. Man. Right. So she'll be fine for now. All right. Well, coming up next, the Blazers win six straight. Are they finally on the right path? We'll talk about that next, right here on Sports Sunday, 10 The Fan.
0: Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
2: Nine eighteen back Sports Sunday. The Blazers are back. Well, looks like it. This is the, this is right around the time of year where things finally start to kind of gel for them. I'm not saying things are gelling for them. I'm I'm gonna knock on one of these fake pieces of wood in here. Uh... 'Cause I don't want to jinx them at all. Currently the Blazers are playing very well on a six game win streak, the most the latest win coming uh last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team who actually was won three games straight coming into this game. So it kind of looked like OKC has started to find some of their swag. They've been doing this a lot this season. They they'll they'll win four or five in a row. They'll lose a few in a row. They'll win four or five in a row. So they're still really working on some um chemistry issues, because I think they have a lot of players that kind of do the same thing. You know, look, you got Mello, who's a shooter, or at or least a scorer. You got Paul George, who's still kind of a scorer, but a little more of a slasher and uh, can be a defender. And then you got Westbrook, who just give me the damn ball move, and I'll, I'll kind of take care of it, is kind of his, um, his mantra, I guess, right now. And sometimes it works for OKC. Sometimes it hasn't. I think they'll ratchet that up once the playoffs come, just because they won't, you know they'll have an opportunity to kind of concentrate on one team. But last night, they tried to concentrate on the Blazers. And uh, I think they paid a lot of attention to uh, Damian Lillard and kind of forgot about C.J. McCollum. Because C.J. was really the hero yet again for the Portland Trail Blazers last night, putting in 28 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. C.J. had himself a hell of a game. But the unsung hero for the Portland Trail Blazers last night was one Zach Collins. Zach Collins came off the bench... Five for six from the field, put in 12 points, five rebounds, had two blocks, but one of those blocks came at the end of the game uh, against Paul George and got a huge game-saving block. And you could tell that he knew it because his reaction afterwards was 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 classic. You know, the gave the KG head bump to the uh, to the barricade to the barrier of the rim and everything like that. He he knew he was fired up, and I think the rest of the Blazers uh, and at least the fans were fired up as well
3: yeah i gotta be fired up to to see that pick finally kind of starting to pay off when you know we were thinking about oh, what he was the last um player in the top 10 that was picked that that to score or to be real contributor to their team this season that he just kind of didn't really give you anything out of the gate frustrating blazers probably frustrating teammates and damian lillard and that's got to be kind of a relief, not just for for Blazer fam, but for Blazer teammates to see um, that maturation st- starting. Um, to see he was incredibly efficient, five of six from the field. Um, you know, he had the two blocks, five rebounds in twenty minutes of action. So he was productive when he was on the court um, in a night that Nurkic wasn't very productive. You know, uh, Nurkic only finished with nine nine points last night. Kind of struggled a little bit, a little frustrated. You could tell. Yeah, uh, his. His field goal percentage was um, was pretty I, – I believe it was sub-500. So it was just um, – it, it was kind of a rough night for Nurkic and to see Nurkic Collins have a good night. His,
2: did he break up with his girl or something? I like, don't know. That kid's been going through it. Like He's just not the same dude that we remember. I think there's still time for him to kind of grow into that person. I, but, I, I don't think it's coming. Like I mean, I don't know. I think this is who Yusuf Nurkic is. And for me, like I've said – I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with 14, 15 points and 10 rebounds. You can give me that every night, and I'm not going to complain. I'm
3: not going to say this is who he is because one, this is his first real year being the guy. Like he got he got a taste of it last year, um, but at the same time, um, he only had to do it for a short time last year. He has to do it for the whole year this year. He's been able to stay healthy. Um, and to be honest, it, it, it's it's the expectations. You know, the one thing that Blazers. Um, th- 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 that sucks for them. Is they're the only game in the town. So when they're doing well, we're cheering for them. When they're not doing well, we're going, oh, "What's going on here?" And so we start calling out Blazers by name. And you know, it's it's real easy to start hearing that 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 name pop up in Absolutely. a city where you're the only game in town. So, so you know, it it a little bit of nur- uh, Nurkic pressure this year, being he has to be the guy. The the guy anchoring the middle all year long. And, and I think he's done a fine job. I I mean, we, I'm sure all wanted him to come in and be 20 and 10 guy, but how many, how many guys can you have on this team that are trying to average 20 points?
2: only um, yeah, there, there could only be two or three <laughs> right? on the team that can actually do that so
3: i mean if you're doing that you, you i mean you have like cj dame and nurk averaging 20 that's that's not going to happen so you, i mean nurk is give, giving you rebounds um giving you some defense um it's just it's finding that that balance between, for him of being too aggressive and not aggressive enough because i think that's our big problem with him
2: we have a text here on the Bridgeport bears text line collins is the future he has the fire, and uh, his fire that Nurkic does not. Uh, that's, I, I guess that—that's what is we're true. talking about right yeah, now. Yeah, that part is true, but I think the, the part that I still kind of struggle with is I don't know if Collins has the skill that Nurkic has. Like at the end of the day, like yeah, there's a fire that Zach Collins had, you know, has, but hell, there's a fire that Tyler Hansborough has that, you know, maybe uh, who, who's better than Tyler Hansborough that plays on his team. I or any team. Like, okay, so Tyler Hansborough is clearly not a Serge Ibaka. You know, something like that. He doesn't have the skill set of Serge. Serge doesn't have to be fiery like that. You know, some some guys need to kind of work themselves up and into the game. You know, I don't know if Collins is necessarily, it's, as far as skill set, he's not
3: I, right I See, this is exactly what I'm talking about, though. Like, when it's nice, when, when the sun rays are shining, we're like, all right, woo! Like, I mean... And then when it, you know, a couple days later or a week later, when all of a sudden it's bad, we're all like, "What the heck? What's going on?" It's just this constant emotional roller coaster from these fans being shouted out to them. Oh my gosh, Zach Collins is so great! Two weeks ago, Zach Collins was
2: a bust. Well, and that's that's kind of why you know. In, in response to the to the text we just got, you know, Collins played 28 minutes, which is great. You know, last night he put up 12 points, five rebounds. Um, that's the most he scored all season. That's and his best game to date. He's put up double digits, one, two. This is his, his third double-digit game um, of his career. Four, uh, no, fourth, because he had a couple, or fifth. He had a couple in the preseason.
3: So but Those don't count.
2: Those don't count. So this is his third double-digit scoring game of the year. So I would advise people to, yes, relish the win, because last night he came through in a major way for the Blazers for that six-straight win. Without Zach Collins making that block, they probably lose that game. And it, that's and and that's fair to say you know I, so
3: that's giving you what you need out of him the, the like I said the a night where nurk isn't stepping up the way that we we were hoping he would Zach Collins can be there you know it's the same thing they were focusing on dame what we had another guard that can Come out and hurt him the way Dame can and CJ. So, as if you have a couple guys in the front court that can do that, like you don't need to rely on on Alex Collins to be the guy every day. You don't need to rely on Nurkic to be the guy every day because they both have that ability.
2: Mm-hmm. That, and I think you're, I think you're still waiting for Collins to take that turn, and he's a rookie. And you knew he was yes. going to be a project when you drafted him. So I, I still want people to be as patient as they can with him because this is a project. Like they knew it when. You know, he they went and got him from Gonzaga over some guys that were like, man, really? Like, I still want the kid from North Carolina. Like, if I'm just, just selfish Blazer fan, yeah, I and, thought that kid would have been good. And let's be
3: real. There's been flashes from guys like Myers Leonard where all of a sudden we've been like,
2: look at Leonard. He's finally taking that step. And and it's important to remember these dudes play in the NBA. Yeah. So all of them are really good at basketball. So some of them are definitely going to have a night here and there. To where Wasn't there a night where Troy Hudson scored like 51 or something like that? You know, I remember Mookie Blaylock going off for, like, 47 in a game. Like, it happens, you know, more often than not. So, uh, get to a couple messages here on the text line. Um, I'm big enough to say I've trashed Olshay and Collins nonstop. Uh, At the very least, Zach looks good, and not making a trade seems good for now. I I definitely think you don't want to make a trade now. Like, let this team gel. Let this team figure out what they're doing. Like, I think that's kind of been the Blazers' issue. The minute you have the team that's together – Something stupid happens, be it injury or trade, and you have to blow it all up and start over again. Try not to do that. Try to keep this nucleus together as long as you can and see where it goes. Like, currently, they sit third in the Western Conference. Now, there's 20 games left to go. So, again, that's that's not saying much right now because a lot can still happen between now and the middle of April. But at this point, I, th- I think you're in an okay spot. You know, you're just your record doesn't say you're the third best in the West, but currently seated, currently right now, it says you're the third best. So that's something to kind of hang your hat on at least for a few hours. Currently, it says that
3: they're they're the third best in the NBA. Technically, I mean, if you want to get down to it, right? They sh- they have a better record than oh, maybe maybe not uh, Boston.
2: Uh, or, another message here on the on the text line. As long as Kawhi and Jimmy Butler are out. I think the Blazers are the third best team in the West. We're going to talk about that later on in the show, but that's a that's valid, man, with as long as – and I knew that – I made a bet with a friend of mine from high school uh, and said as soon as they got uh, Jeff Teague and Jimmy Butler, I said, oh, well, uh, Minnesota is the fourth best – third best team in the West, like off top. Looking at that roster, and why wouldn't they be? And so he's like, oh, I'll bet you $100 or not. And I was going to get my $100 until Jimmy Buckets got hurt, and now things are a little bit different. Okay. Coming up, we're going to talk about the team that currently is the best team in the Western Conference when we get back. But first, Jesse has SportsCenter.
0: Weekends were Sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
2: 933 right here on The Fan. Uh, We're talking about the best in the West. Um, Typically, we'd be talking about the Golden State Warriors. I think for a lot of people, that is still the best in the West. It would be really hard to argue with that. No, their record says one thing, but their roster says another. So, if so facto, Golden State probably still is the best team in the Western Conference. But currently, I don't know if there's a better team in the NBA than the Houston Rockets. I think the Rockets beat anybody they play at this, t- at this point. I think there's been something special developed between um, Chris Paul and James Harden over the past, I don't know, um, shoot, however long they've been playing Together, I know they've been, Chris Paul was out for a little bit. And then I know James Harden missed some time. But since February 2nd, let me find that. I think that's where the win streak started. Um, or right around there. I think they're like 41 or 38 and 1 when Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella are all on the floor together. That's crazy talk. That that's saying that they're there's there's no beating those dudes when they're on the floor together. Like number one, James Harden's developed into a phenomenal point guard. That's that's the first thing. You talk about his ability to distribute the ball, he's been leading the league in assists, or he's been among the league leaders in assists for the past three years. Um and then you give him what I still consider to be a top five point guard in the NBA, um, the the most probably the most giving point guard in the NBA, he and John Wall and Chris Paul. I think they're the best backcourt in, in, in the league, hands down. I don't think there's a better one than those two in the league. Number one, nobody. I don't think anybody equates for more, more points, be it for buckets and assists than those dudes. If Jay, if Chris Hall's averaging eight assists and James Harden's averaging like nine or something like that, and then he's also putting up 31 points and Chris Paul's putting up 17 points, that's, uh, they're scoring like 120 points a game at this point. I'm looking at this team, and I'm looking at the defense that they provide. We guys, got guys got, like uh, Clint Capella. Trevor Ariza is, is a big factor on that team. It can also give you, you know, 12 to 13, possibly 19 points on on a good night. Man, Eric Gordon came through in a big way for the Rockets last night, pouring in 29 points. I think he led all scores off the bench in that game, and really did a good job putting some clamps on Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, who's a scoring monster, put up 18 last night. You know, the, the Rockets did a good job of holding Al Horford to 10 points. You know, so offensively, they've they've been the Houston Rockets that we're used to seeing. Defensively is, I think, where they've changed. And Chris Paul coming to that team, that's the one thing you know he's going to bring is tough, tough defense. And now James Harden could just worry about guarding the second best scorer on that team. And I think that's really worked out for the Rockets. Put them in a seven-game series with the Warriors, man. I'm not going to say it's a foregone conclusion that the Warriors just beat them. I'm just not going to do that.
3: No. Where I think the argument still sits in favor of the Warriors in their corner is, one, they've done it. They've they've been there. They've they've set the record for the most wins in the regular season. What did that get them? A trip to the NBA Finals.
2: Mm-hmm. Tiedly buckets in their face.
3: It didn't get a title, but it got them. Uh, got him a trip to the finals. Got him close. So, so I mean, the, you know, you think about that. It's and that was a t- this team basically without Kevin Durant, and they now have had a year and two, well, three quarters of a season um, integrating Kevin Durant into that system. And one thing that they have the luxury of of knowing is that they don't need to win all of those games. Is that they don't need to expend. The energy every night, and they kind of have that philosophy of a, a of a LeBron James, right? Of I don't need the number one seed in the East in order to get to the finals.
2: Yeah, and, that's. I mean, and I think we all know, like you're you're saying, like a lot of people have Boston pegged to take it all in the Eastern Conference. Uh, no, I, I still like it, but that's
3: once again, I I have my reasons, but. You know, I, I'm I'm not going to be surprised if if Cleveland gets there, just because King James does what he does every postseason. He's you know he's the Tom Brady of of the NBA. He just he gets in the postseason and, and magic just continues to happen every night he steps on that court. So, um,
2: so let me ask you this: Do you think the uh, like we're talking about Boston? Uh, if you're giving Boston a chance to beat Cleveland, because I think Cleveland's going back to the finals, man. Do you give the Houston Rockets a chance to beat the Warriors?
3: Absolutely. And, and when you throw uh, the number thirty-three and one, I, I mean that's hard to ignore. Um, but one one other thing that I think goes in the favor of the Warriors is. Kevin Durant, who who on outside the fact that you have what's arguably considered to be the best player, at least the very least, the second best player in the NBA on your team, along with Steph Curry. You have multiple NBA MVPs on that team. Right. Um, You forget about Clay Thompson. You forget about these guys because they're just so jam packed. But what I look at when I see Houston, I I look at a guy in Mike D'Antoni who has had teams I don't know how many times in the past that have looked amazing in the regular season. Now, granted, they haven't defensively looked amazing in the regular season, but they've blown the doors off of every team that they faced in the regular season get in the postseason and the lack of success that he's had. I don't I don't has he he's never made it to the NBA finals, right?
2: Never made it to the NBA finals, that, got to the conference finals, but had to play Popovich and Tim Duncan.
3: He, yeah, but he's had Hall of Famers in his corner as well. It's just he's never been able to make it there. You think about um as as great as Chris Paul's been in his career, um, one of the best dual threat players, defensively, offensively, he's 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 on point both ways. At the same time, uh, he's made what to the
2: second round. But to be fair, you know, to be fair for for Tony at least, um, Chris or James Harden's the best player Tony's ever had. Yes, I love, I love, I love Steve Nash. Yeah. Steve Nash is for sure a Hall of Fame. Like he's my, he's one of my, one of my best friends. Is his favorite player? He's his favorite uh, point guard ever, and thinks he's the best point guard of all time. I couldn't argue that with a lot. Of, I could, but you know, I wouldn't because he's Steve Nash. It makes a lot of sense why somebody would say that. He's a top five point guard all the time. At, yeah. Well, yeah, it makes yeah. sense why somebody would say that. Man, yeah. James Harden is a top five two guard of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And, this, and I can see point. that. Yeah. You know, so I'm 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 looking at that and saying, man, I don't think he's ever had a player that can score as easily, can pass as easily, and can play defense, hasn't, mind you, I'm if OKC James Harden could play defense. This one hasn't had to because he's had to do all the scoring. Now you're kind of seeing a little more of a defensive effort for him because I don't have to work as hard trying to guard, stay in front of Steph Curry or stay in front of a Chris Paul or stay in front of Damian Lillard. You have no chance. You just have no – nobody has a chance guarding those two or trying to guard those I
3: just feel around. like we said the same thing when it was Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash, Sean Merriman with his little – team was great. When he was the X Factor. Remember that? Yeah, the team and was great. He, and then as soon as Merriman was gone, he was he was – a footnote, Marian? Marian, Marian, yeah, Sean Marion, 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 yeah, Sean was the other one. Yeah, heard. Sean Marion. Um, he uh, he w- he was a footnote when he left uh, Mike D'Antoni in Phoenix. It, it, the same thing with Stoudemire. Although Stoudemire left and he had that eye problem and yeah, he had you know the knee
2: problem and, and in the back, yeah,
3: you know. But at the same time, we forget how good Amari Stoudemire was, how how good Steve Nash was, and he still they weren't able to do it. And that's what I think about every player on this team. Who on this team has been able to do it? Like. Trevor Ariza. That's, that's
2: not enough. I mean, Trevor Ariza made a couple great plays, two big defensive plays to put the Lakers in position to go to the finals. Like, I mean, without Trevor Ariza, Carmelo Anthony and, um, that's uh, nice. Chauncey Billups but were on their way back to the finals. So he's not the leader of the team. You need, well, you need again, to- And again, I'm looking at the, the Rockets teams that James Harden has played on. He played one full year without Dwight Howard. And then Dwight came back and wanted the ball and couldn't make his own move. Um, they the 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 year that Dame made the the three point shot in in Game Six to uh, to seal it all you know so they just haven't they've they've kind of fallen off of those opportunities like they got to the Western Conference Finals that was and then James Harden dribbled it off his off his leg I think or something like that was it Game Seven against and, against and see the once again these are moments that you don't see with the Golden State Warriors no you, you, and, you and definitely that's don't but I think difference. the Warriors I, but I think the difference has been because. Up until now, man, James Harden hasn't had a team to combat what the Warriors have had. Now you have a team that can shoot. Now you have a team that can drive. Now you have, and then you add a guy like Joe Johnson. We even mentioned Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson is just gonna spot up and hit whatever shot that he's a professional shot maker. That's what Joe Johnson does. He's not gonna give you nothing else except buckets. And that now you add that dude onto that team, a team that loves to spread the ball around, spread the ball around, stop and pop. I, I, I mean, I'm, I am don't I think it's it. going to be. I think the Warriors are going to win. I'll say that. But I don't think that's going to be w- traditionally what we're used to seeing I, as far as the Warriors winning in six and just kind of moving them out the way.
3: Well, you think about what it was last year with the Spurs before, you know, injuries. Like they, it, um, Kawhi Leonard went down in that series, right? A- yeah. And it looked like the Spurs were going to win after game one. Like, oh, 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 this, this is not good for the Warriors. Kawhi Leonard goes down. Totally different story. But the I guess the magic has been in the corner of the Warriors. They don't have the dribble off their legs. They don't have those moments where they they haven't succeeded. All they know is they've been to the finals what four straight years now. This will be four. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't. Whereas there's nobody really other than you but Trevor Ariza that's been there, and Trevor Ariza is a nice little ancillary piece, but well, he's not the, the guy. You
2: know. He's been to the finals. You know, he's been to the finals before. So, and he was a big part, a big reason that team actually went to the finals. So, I mean, I think there's an opportunity. I think we both agree that Golden State is going to win. But, um, man, would it shock me at all if Houston came in there, punched him in the mouth, and won in six or seven? Not even a little bit. No,
3: and and I think that's one of the if if they can be. And I think the one thing that that you can say of the Warriors is it's that classic. finesse versus the the guy that's going to come and punch you in the in the mouth right yeah. like the the person that's that's uh using the rapier sword versus the person using the broadsword somebody's just going to come over and smash you with their sword and the other person's going to elegantly like take you apart and if if the warriors run into a team that's just going to smash them knock them knock them down it they go to the boxing term. They're just going to knock them down the way they're not used to. That's that's the way that you you get the Warriors. And so if they come out uh, against Houston, if if that actually ends up happening, we're still, that's not a foregone conclusion. But if that happens, the Houston and Warriors meet in, let's say, the Western Conference Finals. And Houston can knock them down the game one, game two. That's the recipe. Yeah. you got to get one of those games, though.
2: Absolutely. All right, coming up. NFL Draft Combine is here. Not sure if you've been watching it. I haven't. But uh, one thing I have been watching is Lamar Jackson. Is he really a quarterback? We'll talk about that next. Right here, Sports Sunday on the Fan.
0: Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080, The Fan.
2: Oh, well, you know, I didn't hear it from any other teams, you know. um, But, you know, I'm a quarterback. That's all I've been all my life. I don't know where it comes from, but, you know, I'm here to be a quarterback, not anything else. That's right. I heard that Lamar Jackson. Thanks, straight. And so we're talking about the Draft Combine, more specifically, that young man, who just you you just heard that soundbite from, that is former Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson, former Heisman winner, former almost two-time Heisman winner, probably should have won it twice, but I don't think we want to throw salt on Archie Griffin's name like that by having another two-time Heisman winner because there's been a couple that a few guys that have been worthy of winning it twice. Mariota probably should have won it three times. Right. But, you know, I digress. That's just, you know, that's just me. Um, We got a couple texts here on the... uh, Text line, Bridgeport Beer's text line, of uh, Vegas odds on Portland are trash. Uh, like the Clips and Nuggets, uh, as, much as, uh, as much as Portland, no believers in Nevada. I actually looked at those. I know we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson. But actually, <laughs> I actually looked at the odds uh, to go to the NBA, to win the NBA finals. Um, the Portland Trailblazers are 125 to 1. To win the Western Conference, this is the part that was more surprising. To win the Western Conference, obviously the leaders are the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors, but the Portland Trailblazers come in at 80 to 1, only behind the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, and the Minnesota Tipper Wolves. So this is what they think of you, Portland. Just saying. That's a great $40 bet. I mean, I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. So um, okay, back to Lamar Jackson. For whatever reason, and I'm not sure who put this in the in the Twitter sphere. But whomever said Lamar Jackson should go to uh, college or go to the NFL and become a quarterback, you're taking crazy pills. That's just what, what I'm going to say. Like, I'm looking at a kid who stands, what, six foot four. Um, he, he can, he, he, his, his, throw, his throwing the ball didn't go as well yesterday for him. I'll give you that. But then, you know, you'll hear a lot of people come out and say, well, he's a gamer. You know, he's, he's somebody that kind of, you know, plays. When, when the game comes, he knows what to do. And I think really with the right coaching and stuff, he'll be able to be fine. Now, if he goes somewhere like the Browns, which that means he'll have to get picked first overall, I don't think that's going to happen. No. Currently, he's slated to go 27th. In all the mock drafts I've seen, uh, if he does go in the first round, it's typically to the New Orleans Saints. I think that would be a great pickup. For the Saints, number one, it would give you a face of your franchise after you lose the great Drew Brees, who we all know that day is right around the corner. If it's not this year, then it'll definitely be next year. But we know Drew Brees is about done in the NFL. You go to the Saints, and this is just presumably who, if he does go in the first round, who has been pegged to take to, uh, to pick him up. You get arguably the best coach in the NFC in Sean Payton. Um, you get a defense who really stepped it up this past season and showed that, man, this is not just an offensive show. We know what we're doing here. And then you get a couple of stud players and uh, from the running back position to be able to hand the ball off to and a couple of really good receivers to play with in the in the future. I think New Orleans would be an awesome spot, an awesome, awesome landing spot for Lamar Jackson because, number one, he would get a chance to learn behind an all-time great quarterback, not a good quarterback, not a competent quarterback, not a game manager, an all-time great quarterback in Drew Brees can show this young man how to play. Now, that's glass half full. That's where you end up. Let's say you do end up somewhere like, I don't know, who's a, who's a mess right now? Um, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. You know,
3: well, you're not going to end up in Indianapolis. It would have to, I mean, you know, you're, you're thinking of like Buffalo. Well, yeah, I mean, I like, know Buffalo just made the playoffs, but at the same time, it's the first time they made the playoffs in 19 years. Uh, and and uh, there was like a 33% turnover in playoff teams this year, which happens like every year. So I'm thinking if there's a team that's not going to make the playoffs next year, it's Buffalo. Oh, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I I could see a franchise like that where you got lucky one year, but you're going to continue to suck. Um Oh, who else is out there? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, I mean, I, I think there are. I, I think there are more good fits than bad fits. I think if you could end up on a team like Arizona, um, which that would. I mean, what would suck about that is you're probably getting thrust into the starting role in Arizona, but you have talent there. Um, you have one of the best running backs in the game that's going to come back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Larry Fitzgerald, who's one of the best all-time receivers in the game. He will be a great game. teacher
2: for you He's, at that point if you land in Arizona. Exactly. He he would be a wonderful teacher. Um, and also, the one thing, if and I'm not to cut you off, if he does go to Arizona, he'll get a chance to practice against a really good defense every day. Yeah. So that's just another another plus. And the same thing if he goes to New Orleans. He has an opportunity to, to practice against a really, really good defense every single day. I'm just curious how you could ask a guy who, in his Heisman Trophy year, threw 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, and then, oh, rushed for 21 touchdowns. Those are numbers that I wasn't putting up in my college football game back in 2006. Those numbers were winning my guy, the Heisman, but I think he was only rushing for like 12 touchdowns a season. Here's a dude that in his Heisman year ran for 21 touchdowns, then came back the next year, and you know where the ball was going, and still threw for 27 touchdowns, 3,600 yards, and ran for 18 of them. It, like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand why you would take – the why you from everything you've seen, you would take this guy and make him a wideout. What has what he shown you that says he's going to be a great wide receiver? Well, first of
3: all, the person that started this whole story is uh, the ex-GM of the Colts and Bill Pullion, which, I mean, the Colts have been ran so well um, it, basically since Manning left, um, and that is – sarcasm because the only reason they've had any success is because of Andrew Luck, who they let get beaten to an absolute pulp. But uh, this, it's a really interesting story because, you know, you came in and you said, you don't, you don't see people asking Brady Quinn to play another position. And that's, I mean, you don't see Brady Quinn being asked to play another position because he's not, um, he's not physically gifted enough to play another position. However, what I kind of told you is, is, what I find upsetting is is you find a guy like Tim Tebow who everybody said wasn't a quarterback, but still was given an opportunity to be a quarterback in the NFL before somebody said, "No, maybe you should be a tight end." Yeah, like
2: he was. And the drafted- thing is, Tim Tebow at least won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I think
3: they're still waiting for Andy Dalton and, to win one. And what and what you said is about you know it's it's there. I've been kind of on that. Lamar Jackson on, on going on on Facebook and in and, and um, forums and stuff and, and basically kind of supporting Lamar Jackson, thinking he's going to be a future star. And people are like, "Well, 58 percent completion percentage last year. He was he had a 56 percent completion percentage his his Heisman year. So he had a an improvement in his completion percentage from one year to another. So that's a good sign. Um, 58 is is a warning because um, typically you don't get a huge jump of completion percentages when you go from college to the NFL. That's just one of those things that the future has kind of shown that you don't. But what he has shown me, and, and I'm more of an eyes guy than a stats guy, he's a, he's a football player, right? Yeah. That, like, we talked about that with Mariota this last um, year where he caught his own touchdown I mean, through the, Or through it's the like, big block. It, like it, Yeah, like, like Mariota just has... He's like that linebacker that just the the or the safety like Troy Palomalu who just always knew where to be, who knew how to sniff out the ball. He just he's a football player. And that's what I see when I see Lamar Jackson. M- maybe he's not the most polished quarterback, but I see a guy that, that gains, that wins. You know, and I agree. You know if who he else wasn't, wasn't coach, a coach, pro-
2: you should be able you know to. know who else wasn't a polished quarterback? I mean, Russell Wilson. Correct. That's why he went in the third round. Nobody knew that he would be the guy that he is. Put him with some great coaching, and look what can happen. We got some text here on the on the Bridgeport Bears text line. Uh, Lamar to Buffalo? No, I agree with that person. Please don't go to Buffalo. It will will ruin your career. Yep. Uh, I can see Washington taking him. I could see Washington taking yep. a chance on him as well. I mean, you, they took a chance in a guy like RG three, worked out for him his, their, his rookie year. RG three then decided I want to play. I want to be a pocket passer. And then from there, the wheels just kind of fell off. I could definitely see that. Um, somebody kind of tongue in cheek said, How about New England? <laughs> that
1: Net- sounds networks. funny.
2: That sounds funny. But could you imagine giving Bill Belichick that guy? I mean, you'd uh, imagine the, the, the offense that Bill Belichick would be able to run if he had a quarterback that can move as well? Josh McDaniels was the guy that drafted Tim
3: Tebow, and he is apparently the heir apparent to the New England franchise. But what happened with Josh McDaniels and Tim Tebow? Uh, well, that. Th- Nothing. It, Josh McDaniels got fired for being a, um, yeah, I an a-hole. All yeah. right, uh, <laughs> not not because of Tim Tebow. Like like, John Elway came in. He gave him about six games. Realized this guy. And, and I think Josh McDaniels' biggest thing when he came out, his rookie right. or as a as a rookie coach. He just wasn't old enough or prepared enough to it, mature enough. No, whatever you want to say, arrogant.
2: right? He was arrogant at that point.
3: He, he's when he takes over this franchise, I think it's going to be a little bit different. But at the same time, he's kind of a forward-thinking guy. We were talking about this once again as you were going in and prepare for the rest of the show. The difference between um, guys like Sean McVeigh and Doug Peterson, who are more forward-thinking, who who understand, let's. We don't have to do it the same way that we've been doing it for the last 50 years in the in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We can evolve this game. And then there's everybody else who's still like, no, we got to do it this way.
2: Yeah, and that's, it's important to be forward-thinking. You look at a guy like Pete Carroll and the, all the guys that decided to step outside the box and and, and really play this new-age way of football, and it's worked so far. We got a couple more uh, texts before we get out of here. Uh, Pittsburgh may take a stab. Haven't, uh, uh uh, haven't had the heir apparent to Big Ben. Correct. That's from P1 Dustin. You're absolutely right. You know, Pittsburgh may take an opportunity. We saw what Pittsburgh once before was able to do with uh, a dual threat guy. They called him Slash, and, you know, he did catch some passes, and he did throw some touchdowns, and he did return some punts and even kick some punts. So he did a little bit of everything. Maybe he can fit into that mold. Terrell Pryor is a perfect example for Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, Terrell Pryor is a, is, a, was a, is a crazy athlete, but Terrell Pryor could catch like if Lamar Jackson can't catch then what? Yeah. You know, where does he go? Luckily for Julian Edelman, like he could catch. And so and um so I can go from playing quarterback in college to playing wide receiver. You know, so there's a if you can't do those things then it's 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 a lot harder to uh to kind of make it on the next level.
3: Julian Edelman wasn't a Heisman winning quarterback. No, like He was a like, good quarterback. Terrell Pryor Terrell Pryor was not a Heisman winning quarterback. He was fine. Like Terrell Pryor was fine at Ohio State, but he wasn't He was good. Yeah, I, he was good. He wasn't, he, he was, but he wasn't a guy that was able to, he was good because of his ask athleticism. The ask the Oregon Ducks. He was good, good because of his athleticism, all the players around him, how much talent was on that team. Like, if, if you want to, like, look at Lamar Jackson and then compare. Nobody's the, on the team. Make exactly. one player on team. Like, player. And that's part of the reason where I can I can forgive the completion percentage. When you don't have anybody to throw the ball to, yes. like Lamar Jackson, if he's going to throw the ball to the best player on the team, he
2: has to throw it to himself. Yeah. Like, he's pure and simple. to Mariota. He's got to do the Mariota. So, Lamar Jackson, absolutely an NFL quarterback with the right tutelage and the right training. Um, he could be one of the best. Okay, coming up, second hour. Start off with some more Blazer talk. Are the Blazers really the third-best team in the West? We'll talk about that when we come back right here. Sports Sunday on The Fan.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or